You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Coronavirus and Sports. This is Luis Miguel Echegaray. Today, we'll be talking to Denise Shaw, a performance strategy and decision advisor on how athletes, coaches, and others in the sports community can have better control of the pandemic by understanding their feelings. Denise will also provide us with useful tools in order to have a healthy mind during quarantine. Sigmund Freud the father of psychoanalysis, ultimately emphasized the importance of the unconscious mind and the conclusion that the unconscious rules a person's behavior. It's not just there, hovering within us, it actually governs what we do. The goal of psychoanalysis, therefore, is to make the unconscious conscious. During turbulent times, such as a pandemic, where our daily lives have been affected, the common thought is that we forget to pay attention to the unconscious and our feelings. Are we scared? Are we anxious? Are we angry? All of these feelings, though present, are often put aside for the sake of the things that we need to do during the day. Here's Olympic fencer and medalist Ray Simboden. I think I just miss getting to be me. You know, I think as an athlete, the place that I can be unabashedly me is like when I'm competing. There's a lot of Instagram messages going around about everybody working out and everybody staying positive. And I think there are, there is truth to that. Um, but I think there is a lot that's going unsaid, which is, you know, like a lot of us just don't have the thing that we care about the most, you know, and, and that's our sport. For an athlete, coach, or even a team executive, these thoughts are continuous due to the uncertainty of what comes next. When will I return to action? How can I draft a player knowing I did the right thing? How can I make sure I keep my employees without losing money? All legitimate worries. So what if, instead of disregarding these feelings, we actually learn to own them and appreciate them in order to gain strength? And that's what today's episode is all about.
Joining us now is Denise Shaw, a performance strategy and decision advisor, CEO of the Rethink Group, helping and guiding professional athletes, traders, Broadway directors, chief investment officers by optimizing the psychological side of risk. She is also the inspiration to the character of Wendy Rhodes, the performance coach on Showtime's drama Billions and the author of the book Market Mind Games. Denise, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Luis. This is going to be a really interesting conversation, I feel. Uh, Let's begin. Let's tell our audience a little bit about your impressive work and what you do. What exactly is a performance strategy and decision advisor? (laughs) So it started out as performance coaching with traders, meaning, you know, helping them do their best job, helping them make the best trades. But as time went on, I found myself over and over and over again working with like chief investment officers or CEOs in trading firms, dealing with their strategy decisions and their business decisions. So I realized it had become more, well, it had become as much about the executive decision it has had become about the individual's performance under pressure. So I tried to encapsulate that in what we call me. (laughs) It's an unusual role, so it's hard to come up with a good title. It it may be an unusual role, but it's a very important one, especially when it comes to thinking about high performance. How does your work relate with professional athletes? Well, the core of what we do is around the neuroscience or brain science, which is how the brain really makes a decision which is different than how we've all been taught. Like basically you have to have emotion to make a decision, which is certainly different than people think in the trading world. And in the sports world, it's been about like control what you can control, think positively, but sports by definition is full of frustration and disappointment. I mean, you know, you're going to lose, right? Cause someone's going to win. Helping athletes deal with the whole spectrum of the emotions they're going to have, their desire to win, their frustration when they don't, or their frustration when they make a mistake, Um, giving them lots more understanding first, but strategies and tactics to navigate all those feelings so they don't turn into slumps or mental blocks. So the other component to that are the decision makers in sports, you know, your GMs, your your coaches. How does that apply uh, in terms of your work? Well, what I realized was that the decisions coaches and GMs, particularly in the NFL make, because I happen to be a football fan, um, but obviously it's true in any sport, is a lot like the decisions the hedge fund managers make. I mean, a guy that runs a hedge fund is buying different stocks or different currencies or bonds and like trying to create a mix that will ultimately create a result. You know, and they've got data about each asset, but they don't really know how it's going to behave in the future. So it's kind of similar to picking players or for that matter, picking a coaching staff. So there's this risk reward aspect that constantly goes on in hedge funds that I realize is the same kind of decision scenario that a GM or a coach is faced with, you know, GM in a draft and coach in a game, really, like, which player, which play are we going to use now? And how is that going to play itself out over what I expect to happen? We figured we could take that same sort of risk reward thinking that we do and work with in hedge funds and help 
the managers, if you will, in professional sports, executives on the professional sports side. So it sounds to me that there's a theme here where, the, the, in many ways, the best possible way to prepare is to continuously do dress rehearsals, right? Just completely be aware of every single possible scenario. Would you say that that's one angle to look at it? It's definitely one angle to look at it. I will tell you, though, that people have a tendency to do the like logical or factual piece of that without doing the feeling piece of it. So like, if you liken it to athletes visualizing their, their performance, you know, some of them tend to go through, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. When I work with them, I try to get them to focus on it's going to feel like this, and then it's going to feel like that. And you know, then something's going to go wrong, so that they've walked through the, the, you know, the interruptions that happen in anything, right? in advance. And if you do it on that feeling level, as opposed to just using your intellect, it's way more effective. Right. The, the, the overall need to connect emotionally will ultimately help you direct yourself through, through whatever it is. Let's talk, I mean, you know, that's very important for what's happening right now during a pandemic, the sports community going through major changes. We talk a lot about the physical when it comes to athletes, but not enough about the emotional, as you just said. How, psychologically speaking, is the pandemic affecting athletes as their seasons, their traveling, their daily lives are impacted? Yeah, I've had the, you know, occasion to talk to quite a few of them. And one thing they all say is it comes in waves. On some days, they're fine and they're optimistic and, you know, they're just going to you know, it's going to work itself out. And in other days, they're a bit more frustrated and maybe depressed. But a number of them have seen that, like, you know, it just sort of comes and goes. I mean, of course, if you're like an Olympic athlete, I mean, there's just no way around uh, the phase of some intense disappointment and frustration. You know, I have one Olympic athlete who finally qualified in three tries, you know, and it's like, oh, my gosh, now I have to wait another year. I mean, they will still qualify because that will still count. But they're so often taught control, you know, focus on what you can control. And for all of us, we're out of control here, right? We're just waiting to see how this thing unfolds. And it, that's anxiety producing. Um, what I try to teach people is just like accept it, recognize what the feeling is, call it what it is. And there's this weird magic that when you just name a feeling for what it is, it tends to, to contract or dissipate and become less disruptive, ironically. We'll return after these short messages. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. As you talk, I can't help to think of athletes of now and yesterday who were so good as that, that the late 
Kobe Bryant, of course, being able to control his emotions. Michael Jordan, we're watching The Last Dance. Do you use certain athletes as examples in order to to, to see how, how best to utilize this? Um, I don't probably so much. Because uh, the, the reason why is I'm very much about all your thoughts and all your feelings are okay. I don't want right. you judging any of them. Because if right. you judge them, they're actually going to get bigger and get in your way more. If you just accept them and try to understand where they're really coming from, oftentimes you get information. And believe it or not, you can get motivation. Like if you're frustrated about a performance where a lot of people in sports psychology would say, you know, shake it off, put it behind you, nothing you can do. I'll be like, okay, let's dig into what that frustration is really about. Is there a lesson in there that you can use to prepare better, to train better, to motivate you? We're really like weird and radical in that way. And that we're, we're like fine with all these so-called negative emotions and like, let's find the information. Let's like figure out how we can use that energy to take us to the next level. That is really interesting. It's embracing your vulnerabilities, basically, which is, yeah. Uh, yeah what, I mean, I was an actor for more than 15 years, and that's literally what you learn in acting school. Right, 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 right. right you can, if, if in acting, you go about trying to like sound like the character without using your own feelings, it's not going to work, right? You're going to come across as like artificial and stilted and all of that. What the neuroscience has learned is like how we feel is essentially the basis of everything. Right. But we haven't been taught. I mean, you've taught that in acting, but generally people have not been taught that. In fact, they've been taught the opposite. That's right. Yeah. And even when you're an athlete, that sometimes is the case where you have, like you just said, most sports, uh, you know, staff tell their athletes to just put it on the side. Whereas you're saying, no, let's, let's face it, open that door and welcome it because it will help yeah. you in the long run. A few weeks ago, I was with a group of athletes, you know, and the coach was there and the coach was like, you know, I just try to teach everybody to fail and forget it. You know, if you make it, if you fail, it's not, forget it and go on to the next thing. And they were all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We use fail and forget it. We use fail and forget it. And then like, I kept the conversation going and one guy says, well, you know, sometimes I can't quite forget it. And I was like, knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about what you do when you can't quite forget it. So, Denise, this is also a great time, I think, to maybe help our listeners during the pandemic, especially sports fans. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be limited to that. What are some of the things that we can do on a daily basis as we look to remain healthy during quarantine? And I, when I say healthy, I don't just mean in the literal sense, but as you're mentioning, the emotional sense, the mental. What can we do from you, from your teachings? Well, the first is just be gentle and forgiving with yourself. Like, this is super hard. It was bizarre when we first started, right? And for the first week or two, it was probably kind of interesting, you know? And, oh, my gosh, I get to stay at home and I have more time. And, like, you know, and now whatever we're into at six weeks, this is hard. Um, so it's okay for you to feel frustrated with it. And, like, I always say that a superpower is being able to answer the question, what am I feeling and why am I feeling it? but answer it accurately. And when you do that, you tend to go, okay, well, I'm feeling this way or that way because of this or that. And it has this crazy way of going, well, then you go, okay, well, I just got to deal with that. Or I just got to feel like this and, you know, tomorrow I'll feel different. 
you know, being able to say you're frustrated or depressed or worried about how this is going to work out. There's just some magic about just acknowledging that that helps you to function better. And by the way, the research shows that that's a much more healthy way to function, that people who are able to put the so-called negative emotions into words, those people um, are less blocked by those negative emotions. We all think the opposite. If you admit to it, it's going to get bigger. If you admit to it, it's going to get in your way. You know, It's the exact opposite. Plus, it takes like a level of skill and maturity to just Sometimes I liken it like going to the dentist. You know, nobody likes to go to the dentist. You have to go there, hold your mouth open, your jaw hurts, you know, but we all do it. Well, that's the same with tolerating, you know, feeling frustrated or worried or, you know, a bit down in the dumps over like, when's life going to get back to normal? So it's a long-winded way of saying, just be gentle with yourself, you know, and don't judge your thoughts and feelings. Like, it's okay. This is a strange, weird time be weird to not feel bad and as you mentioned after going to the dentist you feel better for it which is the same situation yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i really think it's a superpower to be able to admit to fears frustrations disappointments tolerate them the physical experience of it analyze it for like what it's really about get some piece of information out of it, but just the sort of focusing on it tends to make it go away. Then a lot of people are really scared to do it. They're scared if they feel afraid that they'll, if they admit to fear, they'll feel like terrified and be immobilized. Or if they admit to feeling a bit depressed, they'll be immobilized. Like it doesn't really work like that. Do you think it's become a little bit more of a challenge now just because of the social digital age that we live in where we almost become numb to so many things because we're constantly on a device or looking at a screen or tweeting or on a post? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a really great question. I mean, there's a million ways in the world that people avoid their unpleasant feelings. Right. And certainly like Twitter is one of them <laughs> or, in <laughs> or Instagram. It's distraction, you know, it's in the category of distraction. Um, and it's not all bad. It's just, you know, like everything in moderation, kind of. People are afraid of feeling their feelings and whether it doesn't really matter, whether it's one of my hedge fund guys, whether it's an athlete, feelings are fundamental to like human behavior, performance, perception, decision making. They're fundamental to everything. And so the better you get at them, the more you think about them like a data set and try to understand what they're all about, the more effective you're going to be, no matter what realm you're operating in. Truly great advice. Uh, feel your feelings and embrace them. I like that. I, I, I'll leave that as, as the motto of the day. Denise Shaw, a performance strategy and decision advisor, CEO of the Rethink Group. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Luis. Appreciate it. The power of the mind goes beyond confidence. It's also about appreciating vulnerability. So whether you're an athlete or a sports writer, an avid fan or an executive, the outbreak essentially became an equal opportunist when it came to distributing anxiety. But as Denise taught us, if we are able to use these worries to our advantage and make them our ally, we can grow in strength and determination. 
Thanks to Denise Shaw for joining me today. We'll continue bringing you these stories throughout the coronavirus crisis. If you like what we're doing, please recommend us to a friend or family member and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. You can listen to Coronavirus and Sports for free wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe or follow us for the latest episodes. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.